أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما نافعا اللهم أرنا الحق حقا وارزقنا اتباعه وَأَرِنَ الْبَاطُلَ بَاطُلًا وَأَرْزُقْنَا اِجْتِنَابَهِ رَبِّ شْرَحْ لِسَادْرِ وَيَسِّرْ لِأَمْرِ وَأَحْلُلْ اُقْدَةً مِنْ لِسَانِ يَفْقَهُ قَوْلِ Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to the Reflections on the Risale-i Nur by Bedi-Uzzaman Said Nursi podcast series. This is Mustafa Tuna. You can listen to the episodes of this series wherever you listen to your podcasts or at the website www.reflections-rn.org. Inshallah, in this episode, we will continue reading the 10th word and we will try to cover the 11th truth in the 10th word. The 10th word, as those who have been following this podcast uh, will remember, is about the verity reality of bodily resurrection, life after death and the hereafter reward and punishment in the hereafter. It is a lengthy treatise. We are in the third section of the treatise in which Ustad Nursi provides rational arguments for the existence of hereafter and reward and punishment and bodily resurrection and so on and so forth. This section consists of 12 truths and we are reading the 11th truth. Bismillah. Bab insaniyettir, ismi hakkın cilvesidir. So this 11th truth is the gate of humanity or humanness, it is the reflection of the name, the real. Each truth in the tenth word begins with this formulaic expression. It is the gate of something and that is a reflection of one of God's divine names. So the gate that we are looking at here is humanity, humanness, whatever makes a human being a human being. Ustad Nursi has a rather comprehensive conception of this quiddity or essence of humanity. For those who have studied logic, for instance, uh, the classical definition of a human being is thinking or rational animal, haywan al natuq. This is not that. We are thinking a bit more deeply, a bit more profoundly. We are thinking about what is it that makes a human being a human being as distinct from everything else in the creation and what gives a human being his or her special place in the creation. As such, in this truth, we are actually turning from the external world, which we have been looking at all this time, to the internal world. External world is the stars, the trees, the rocks, the seas, whatever is out there that we see, observe and study as signs of our creator. In this truth, we are turning to ourselves and looking inward to see the signs of our creator in ourselves. Now, this is a part of uh, the cosmos too. We are part of the creation. We are part of the cosmos and therefore this can be considered a component, a part of uh, the cosmological argument. 
the cosmological argument in a much larger sense than it has been used in the theological tradition. However, it is also special in the sense that we human beings are the ones who look out to the cosmos and study it in order to see God's signs, and now we are turning inward. It is not an elephant who is doing this. It is not an ant, but a human being. This is special to us. So this is the gate of humanity, and it is the reflection of the name, the real. Now this may sound a bit uh, mysterious, maybe not so clear. Why would the gate of humanity be related to the name, the real? Inshallah, I'm hoping that that will be uh, relatively clear as we do this, uh, this week's episode. Because in the earlier episodes, for instance, now, if we think about the, let's say, 10th word, it would be the gate of wisdom, solitude, mercy, and justice, and it would be the reflection of the divine names, the wise, the munificent, the just, and the uh, mercy giver. So it was corresponding one-to-one. -one. How does humanity correspond to the name, the real, Al-Haqq? The name Al-Haqq is... Uh, translated in different ways. Sometimes it is translated as the truth. Sometimes it is translated as the real. Truth is what corresponds to reality. Therefore, both can be accurate, but I prefer uh, the real more here. And then, the, then we, we can ask um, the tree that we are looking at is also real. They are, you know, fingernails are real. There is a difference when we refer to God as the real. We are talking about the ultimate real who sustains all reality. The ultimate real who creates all reality. The ultimate real on whom all other reality depends. The necessary being. Janab Haq is a quite frequently used expression, more so in Turkish and Persian, less so in Arabic, but it is used in Arabic too. It is an expression to refer to God in a respectful way. So Janab Haq, again, it's a very difficult phrase to translate, sublime real, maybe one way to deal with it. So we need to think about this. How does the gate of humanity relate to the real? According to some narrations, it is one of the greatest names, Ismi Azam. We are told by our Prophet that when somebody prays to God with the Ismi Azam, the greatest name, it is accepted. So uh, believers, scholars, Gnostics, saints have searched for the greatest name and come up with some of God's names as being the greatest name. And Ustad Nursi explains that it may be a different name for each person. It's, it may be Al-Haq for somebody and it may be Al-Quddus for somebody else. But in any way, it is one of the names of God that is suggested among the uh, greatest names of God. Is it at all possible? And again, this is a an, another formulaic aspect of the uh, 10th uh, word and these truths, each truth starts with this expression, with this question, is it at all possible? And that is a logical argumentation. Stad Nursi asks, is this what I'm going to tell you possible? And the question usually is, is it possible that there will not be life after death? 
the hereafter does not exist and then we deduce we infer and demonstrate that that is not possible that life after death will not exist is impossible if it is impossible the opposite of it is necessary there will be life after death this is what we are looking forward to when we start with this expression hiç mümkün müdür ki cenab-ı hak ve mabudu bil hak insanın şu kainat içinde rububiyet mutlakasına ve umum alemlere rububiyeti ammesine karşı en ehemmiyetli bir abd ve hitabatu sübhaniyesine en mütefekkir bir muhatab ve mazhariyet esmasına en cami bir ayine ve onu ismi azamın tecellisine ve her isimde bulunan ismi azamlık mertebesinin tecellisine mazhar bir ahseni takvimde en güzel bir mucize-i kudret ve hazaini rahmetinin müştemilatını tartmak, tanımak için en ziyade mizan ve aletlere malik bir müdakkik ve nihayetsiz nimetlerine en ziyade muhtaç ve fenadan en ziyade müteellim ve bekaya en ziyade müştak ve hayvanat içinde en nazik ve en nazdar ve en fakir ve en muhtaç ve hayatı dünyeviyece en müteellim ve en bedbaht ve istidatça en ulvi ve en yüksek surette mahiyette yaratsın da onu müstahid olduğu ve müştak olduğu ve layık olduğu bir dar-ı ebediyeye göndermeyip hakikati insaniyeyi iptal ederek kendi hakkaniyetine taban tabana zıt ve hakikat nazarında çirkin bir haksızlık etsin. Again a long sentence uh, the short of it is that we are we are going to ask is it at all possible that God will create human beings in this certain way and after that not give human beings life after death and that certain way that we are going to explain indicates uh, rather shows demonstrates that the the way a human being is created necessitates life after death in the way that a human being created as we explain it we will also see a very elaborate description of the human condition since it's a long sentence i would like to read the english from beginning to end first and then try to understand it better by going over it piece by piece is it at all possible that the sublime real and the one who is truly worthy of worship shall create the human being in this cosmos as a most important worshipful slave before his absolute lordship and general lordship over all realms as a most reflective addressee of his glorified address as a most comprehensive mirror for the appearance of his names in the best form of creation that is the locus of manifestation for the reflection of his greatest name as well as of the greatest level that is in each of his names as a most beautiful miracle of power as an examiner who possesses the highest quantity of the best scales and instruments to measure and to recognize the contents of the treasures of his mercy in a form and with equity that is most in need of his endless blessings most pained from the possibility of annihilation most yearning for lastingness 
most delicate, most pampered, poorest, and neediest among animate beings, most pained and unfortunate from the point of view of worldly life, and with the loftiest and highest form and quiddity from the point of view of aptitudes, yet he shall not send him to an eternal abode that he has an aptitude for, that he is yearning for, and that he is worthy of. So the human being has an aptitude for, is yearning for, and is worthy of, and thus he, God, shall commit an injustice that is ugly in the sight of reality and completely in opposition to his reality by negating the reality of humanity. So let's go to the beginning and try to understand this uh, in, in stages. Is it at all possible that the sublime real, Janaba Haq, we just mentioned, that's a way to refer to God in a respectful way and also, also indicates uh, that God is the ultimate real and all other reality is contingent upon God's creation and sustaining and therefore everything else is dependent on God. He is the only reality. He is the only real thing that the reality of which is necessary. The reality of which is from himself. Everything else, its reality is from God. Is it at all possible that the sublime real and the one who is truly worthy of worship and here the uh, Turkish and Arabic is Mabudu bil haq. So the word haq is used uh, twice. In the first one we refer to God as a sublime real. In the second one translating it as true, maybe uh, more accurate, the one who is truly worthy of worship. So he is the, the one who is worshipped. Ma'bud is the one who is worshipped. But there are many uh, things out there that hum human beings have worshipped throughout throughout history and now too. So God is the Ma'budu bil Haq. He is the one who is truly worthy of worship. Everything else is not worthy of worship. They are worshipped but falsely. God is the real Ma'bud. God is the real one that is worthy of worship. So we began by referring to God's name the real and the word al-haq here. So, as we said before, Ustad Nursi never uses these names randomly. Whenever he uses a name, it is relevant and it is used because of its relevance. Is it at all possible that the sublime real and the one who is truly worthy of worship shall create the human being in this cosmos? It is God who created the human being and he created him in a certain way. From the way a human being is created, we will deduce what is to be expected from this creator after the human being dies. Shall create the human being in this cosmos as a most important worshipful slave before his absolute lordship and general lordship over all realms. We talked about this, we, we touched upon this, uh, I guess, a few times by now. Everything in the creation are God's slaves. Everything glorifies God. Everything worships God. They're all abd. They're all slaves. And this is a good word. 
when we use the word slave in this context, we are not referring to chattel slavery, a slavery of a human being to a human being. We are referring to a human being's relationship with his Lord, and that is a beautiful relationship. God is the caring master, and we are his slaves. So God creates human being in this cosmos as a most important worshipful slave before his absolute lordship. So the word for that we are translating as lordship is rububiya. And it is a really profound word that, that defies a perfect translation. One way to think about it might be that God is the nurturing master. He is the master. He is the owner. He is the one who has command in his hands and we are all his slaves but he is also nurturing us he is taking care of us he is providing us it is almost like the relationship that a baby has uh, with with his or her mother and a mother is the rub of uh, of her baby the baby is weak impotent needy cannot do anything on uh, his or her own and the mother takes care of the baby. The mother can lift the baby up and take anywhere, put anywhere, do anything to the baby. So the, the baby is like a slave in the hands of the mother. But at the same time, the mother is merciful the way our Lord is merciful to us. And the mother takes care of the baby, feeds the baby, cleans the baby, sustains the, the baby by providing his or her needs. So God's Lordship, Rububiya, is over everything. It is absolute absolute there is nothing that is beyond god's lordship everything owes its existence and sustenance and provision and the uh, provision of its needs to god to god's lordship therefore his lordship is absolute and he has general lordship over everything too so the first one we can think think of it as referring to god's lordship on each thing one by one and the general lordship is on everything altogether because god is uh, sustaining everything altogether as a whole system as well so everything one by one and everything together are under God's Lordship and the response to God's Lordship. What corresponds to God's Lordship in the creation is worshipful slavehood. And everything in the creation have a worshipful slavehood. Let's say the leaf of a tree is the worshipful slave of God to the extent that it is able to glorify. And then a lion uh, is a worshipful slave of God and a lion worships and, and glorifies God based on its capacity. And everything has a limited capacity in glorifying and worshiping God. Human beings, on the other hand, first they are the most comprehensive with regard to their ability to manifest God's names and attributes. And second, through intention, they can take a position of universal worshipful slavehood before God and present the worship and glorifications of everything in the creation to God. When I say subhanallah, glory be to God, I can say that in my own name. I can say that in the name of my family. I can say that in the name of everybody that I love and associate with. I can say that in the name of my, let's say, nation. I can say that in the name of humanity. I can say that in the name of plants and animals. I can say that in the name of 
all the entire earth and then include the solar system and think about the planets i can say that in the name of the entire creation which means that through intention i may take a position in which i present the worship and glorifications of the entire creation to god so is it at all possible that the sublime real and the one who is truly worthy of worship shall create a human being in this cosmos as a most important worshipful slave he is the one who is the who has the the highest level of importance because of this before his god's absolute lordship and general lordship over all realms what else is that at all possible that the sublime real and the one who is truly worthy of worship shall create a human being a second uh, description of human being as a most reflective addressee of his glorified address what is that glorified address well we can begin with the books and scrolls that have been uh, revealed to humanity and then we can think about the quran the quran is the most glorified address that was ever and that will ever be human beings are the addressees of the quran they have they have the ability to reflect upon it and understand it and assume a position before their lord accordingly but it is that this is not all of it as we said before everything in the creation are signs of creation signs that direct us to their lord to god and aside from uh, god, uh, the, the quran being god's speech and therefore his most glorified address there is an address in the entire creation the entire creation is an address and human beings are the most reflective addressee the ones who have the ability and are charged with reflecting upon everything in the creation as signs of god under the guidance of the quran by taking their inspiration and guidance from the Quran. So human beings might, must really be important then, right? So what else? As a most comprehensive mirror for the appearance of his names. As a most comprehensive mirror for the appearance of his names. Again, we just talked about this. Human beings are created in a way uh, that has the potential to manifest all of God's beautiful names. That's why some say that the name that is most apparent on human beings is Al-Jami, the gatherer, the one that, the, the, the name that gathers all other names together. Now, some human beings manifest God's names in a better way, with more intensity and accuracy. Some of them manifest more of God's names more manifestly everybody has the potential to manifest all of them but some people because of their sins mistakes uh, misconceptions misguidance sometimes disbelief do not do so once belief enters the the heart of a human being almost like turning on the switch when when you turn the switch on the bulb in the lamp goes on and the lamp becomes illuminated and begins to illuminate when faith comes in, all those names become apparent on the human being. And to the level of the, the strength of the faith of a person, the more 
names will be apparent. The Prophet ﷺ was the human being on whom all of the names of God were manifest at their greatest level. So human beings are created as a most comprehensive mirror for the appearance of his names because everything else manifests to a level, a limited level, but human beings are given the highest capacity in this respect. Why? We talked about this before. Human beings uh, have lots of faculties, lots of subtle faculties that enable them to recognize, appreciate, and respond to God's beautiful names. Imagination has a role in this. Intellect has a role in this. An ant relates to its environment through its limited bodily functions while a human being relates to its environment through those bodily functions but on top of that also relates through his intellect through his imagination through his spirit through all sorts of senses that we can uh, clearly and easily recognize and pinpoint or not what else in the best form of creation that is the locus of manifestation for the reflection of his greatest name as well as of the greatest level that is in each of his names. So we said the Prophet ﷺ maximized this, actualized this, but everybody has the potential to move in that direction and have a share from this. What else? As a most beautiful miracle of power. Everything in the creation are miracles of God's power and the human being is the most beautiful one most complex one the one that comes at the very end if you think of the creation as a tree everything in the tree start from the roots the trunk the branches the leaves everything functions together as a system and ultimately leads to the formation of the the the fruit which then contains the essence of the tree and has the capacity to reproduce the tree. So in a sense that fruit is the objective that comes at the end. Human beings are what comes at the end and they are created in the most beautiful form, as God tells us in the, in the Quran. What else? As an examiner who possesses the highest quantity of the best scales and instruments to measure and to recognize the contents of the treasures of his mercy. What are the treasures of his mercy? God's mercy, it can be many things. Uh, a glaring, easy to understand example is in provision of everything that needs nutrition with what they need. So human beings are provided with nutrition. Elephants are provided with nutrition. Uh, ants are provided with nutrition, whales are provided with nu nutrition, but an elephant has the ability to recognize certain plants, eat it, and that's the elephant's life. As long as you, you give the elephant that limited number of plants, that's it. Human beings, on the other hand, we are given all sorts of taste buds. We are given the ability to go around the world, harvest its produce, uh, mix them up in different ways and come up with millions and millions of different tastes and then be able to recognize and differentiate between those tastes and appreciate them. So this is something special. This is given to human beings and not to anything else. The more tastes 
we recognize the more new forms of uh, gratitude we can have. Now, this doesn't mean that we should be gluttons running around looking for new forms of tastes because what matters is that that we related to God and thank him for the taste, for the mercy he puts in that. Because that taste is a sign of and a manifestation of his mercy as we talked before. We need nutrition in order to survive. God could have put nutrition in a paper-like tasting cornflake and that could be all that we ate. It could be tasteless. It could even be maybe bitter. Sometimes we need the medicine and we have to take the medicine in order to find the healing that, has, that God has put in it. But it is bitter, it is disgusting, etc., etc. But we still take it. That could be nutrition. We could be going through a revulsion each time we ate something. And there are people who are in that situation. May God uh, give them healing and may, God, may He prevent us from having that. But that's not the case. He gives us nutrition and he also puts taste in the in the nutrition and he also gives us faculties these taste buds and the neurological systems in our body and brain that recognize and appreciate those various tastes as something pleasurable human being is the one who is given the most accurate and the highest quantity of scales measures to relate to the external world appreciate it, taste it, sense it, appreciate it, and show gratitude in return. This can be physical, like touch, smell, uh, sight, taste, etc. It can be metaphysical, like a, a person's ability to sense love and be pleased with it. All of these are mercy. All of these are signs of mercy because God did not have to give any of that to us. He gave them out of his mercy. Therefore, these are treasures of mercy and human beings are created in a position to sample most of them. What else? In a form and with equity that is most in need of his endless blessings, most pain from the possibility of annihilation, most yearning for lastingness, most delicate, most pampered, poorest and neediest among animate beings. So let's go over this again. In a form and with equity. Equity meaning what it is. Nature maybe, but quiddity is a better word. In a form and with equity that is most in need of his endless blessings. God's endless blessings. Uh, we went over this in detail in the first word for those who will remember. Human beings are created in a way that they need everything. Everything they can imagine, everything they can think of, and everything their bodies, their, their physical reality needs in order to survive. But the imagination and intellect expand the volume of what a human being needs so much that it gives him or her a capacity to relate to the entire creation and this is you know goes along with what we have been talking before most in need of god's endless blessings and then most pain from the possibility of annihilation because if you were to tell a person 
and that will come uh, here you will have a million years of life and the best way or best life that you can imagine in the world but at the end of that you will disappear that would pain a human being but if you gave a donkey a lettuce the donkey would be happy the donkey would not be thinking about the time when the lettuce will finish when the donkey will die if you gave a sheep some herbs the sheep will eat it and will be happy and will not be thinking about the slaughterhouse that might be human beings are different human beings are created in a way that they yearn for lastingness and this is a problem for human beings it's not a problem for animals it is a problem for human beings they are pained from the possibility of or the thought of annihilation and they are most yearning for lastingness this is this is one of the most central essential desires of a human being it is not the volume it is not the quality and quantity of what a human being is blessed with that only counts it is the lastingness continuity the best blessing without continuity lastingness turns into a bitter punishment because the thought of it coming to an end keeps bothering the human being so human being wants lastingness this is in our in our quiddity remember we said at the beginning we are now going to turn inward and look what is in us unless corrupted because of some worldly impact and input the uncorrupted human nature yearns for lastingness most delicate most pampered now the human being also has the most delicate quiddity it is sensitive it can be pained and hurt because of metaphysical things but also from the point of view of its ability to survive it is not a match for a let's say a sparrow it's not a match for a squirrel human beings are given intellect and through their, their intellect they use tools and make their environment um, comfortable and easy to live and amenable to their survival and well-being but if you were to take that out and think of the human being as this naked individual put in nature let's say on a, an uninhabited island the human being would have the least capacity among most uh, animals to survive the squirrel the sparrow the ant the bee given the environments that they are put in have the have a stronger capacity to survive and actually benefit from the nature that's out there from the environment that's out there but human beings are really delicate in order to compensate for that and as a blessing they are given intellect but when we when we think of a human being again without all the tools that he or she uses he is most delicate but at the same time most pampered because despite its weakness and delicateness it has given the intellect and all these tools and therefore given a most comfortable life if you think of lions for instance that live in out in the nature i'm not exactly sure about these numbers but let's say they they live on average 11 12 years when you put them in a zoo 
where they don't have to be running around and hunting and subject to uh, you know various dangers and threats and difficulties of nature etc etc their lifespan increases to let's say 20 years they may not be living an equally happy life but they live longer human beings if the, if, if you were left to uh, fend ourselves in nature we would probably be lucky if we lived up to you know 30 or so but now the life expectancy is continually increasing it, it's it's reaching 70s 80s 90s this was not the case for most human beings in the past uh, but human beings are given the intellect the ability to harness the material world for their benefit and comfort and the outcome of this is that we are being pampered we were pampered before we are be pampered now there's increasingly more uh, blessings that we are recognizing uh, discovering and uh, putting to use the problem of course is that we are not putting them to use in a conscious way uh, through appreciation and consideration and, and as a result we are sometimes turning those blessings into punishment for ourselves but that's a different question so human beings are also created uh, with equity that is the poorest the poorest uh, the, the measure of poverty is that you do not have what you need and if you need everything that you can think of imagine and actually need for your survival and you have no means to acquire those then you are really poor and needy and neediest impotent neediest among animate beings so again human beings have a special aspect here they are uh, pain from the possibility of annihilation they are yearning for lastingness and they are so delicate yet pampered they are the poorest and neediest among animate beings and then we continue most pained and unfortunate from the point of view of worldly life so this is the important part if you were to limit the life of a human being to the worldly life that he or she has here for let's say you know take it from the uh, upper end let's say for 90 years 90 years of delicate life yearning for lastingness pained and fearful of annihilation uh, needy for everything poor and and poor and incapable of acquiring the the strongest need that he or she feels which is lastingness most pained and unfortunate from the point of view of worldly life if this was the be all and all if everybody were to live you know happy lives even happy lives but die at age 90 no exceptions or in most cases they don't even live all comfortable all happy we always go through tribulations trials and tribulations so most pained and unfortunate from the point of view of worldly life the sheep is happy when it has some grass a place to sleep and the and when it dies it dies it's it doesn't live its entire life with the fear of annihilation but human being is not like that and with the loftiest and highest form and quiddity from the point of view of aptitudes now from the point of view of worldly life it he was pained unfortunate delicate delicate delicate poorest neediest so on and so forth but when we look from another 
point of view, from the point of view of aptitudes, he is the loftiest and highest. Does it compute if we if we limited our consideration to this world alone? He has the highest aptitudes, skills, capacities. He has an aptitude for eternity, but he is limited to this life. So, is it at all possible that God will create a human being in this way that we have been describing? Yet, he will not send him to an eternal abode that he has an aptitude for. The human being, when we examine the quiddity, nature of the human being, we see that he has an aptitude for eternity. That's what his imagination wants, that's what his intellect wants, that's what his heart wants. He cannot accept the absence of eternity, he cannot accept annihilation, He's, he just cannot take it. He has an aptitude for it, he is yearning for it, and he is worthy of it. Because we, see, we saw human being is the uh, most reflective addressee of his glorified address, most comprehensive mirror for the appearances of God's names, the best has the best form of creation, the most important worshipful slave before God's absolute lordship and general lordship. He has aptitude to, to do all of this, and God creates him in this way. Is it at all possible that after he creates him in this way, he shall not send him to an eternal abode? That human being has an aptitude for, that he is yearning for, that he is worthy of. And thus, by doing this, is that all possible that God shall commit an injustice that, that is ugly in the sight of reality? This is not what we expect from reality. And completely in opposition to his reality, whose God's reality, by negating the reality of humanity. The human being's most central, most important, most glaring function is to manifest in his reality, in the human being's reality, God's reality. The reality of the human being corresponds to the reality of God. This is the gate of humanity, and this is a reflection of the name Al-Haq, the real. The human reality manifests and corresponds to God's reality in the most comprehensive, most accurate way among everything else in the creation. God created the human being in the form of the Rahman, the merciful, right? That's a, uh, that's a prophetic tradition. This might be one meaning that's included in that too. Let's continue. Hem hiç kabil midir ki? Hakimi bil haq, rahimi mutlak. İnsana öyle bir istidad verip, yer ve gökler ve dağlar tahammülünden çekindiği emaneti kübrayı tahammül edip, yani küçücük cüz'i ölçüleriyle, sanatçıklarıyla Halık'ın muhit sıfatlarını, külli şuunatını, nihayetsiz tecelliyatını ölçerek bilip hem yerde en nazik nazenin nazlar aciz zayıf yaratıp halbuki bütün yerin nebati ve hayvani olan mahlukatına bir nevi tanzimat memuru yapıp onların tarzı tesbihat ve ibadetlerine müdahale ettirip kainattaki icraat-ı ilahiyeye küçücük bir küçücük mikyasta bir temsil gösterip rububiyet-i sübhaniyeyi fiilen ve kalen kainatta ilan ettirmek 
meleklerine tercih edip hilafet rütbesini verdiği halde ona bütün bu vazifelerinin gayesi ve neticesi ve semeresi olan saadet ebediyeyi vermesin. Another long sentence uh, very similar to the previous one therefore I'm hoping to go through this a bit faster. And can it possibly be that the true ruler and absolute mercy giver so the true ruler is hakimi bin haq obviously god and again uh, the the word that corresponds to true is haq the uh, same word that we are translating as the real when we translate uh, al haq as god's name the real or true ruler and the absolute mercy giver a rahim so absolute means that there's, there's no exception everything is benefiting from god's mercy and for those who will remember the second station of the 14th flash that we went over at the uh, beginning of this series the one of the differences that we start nursi uh, was given the insight of in relation to the words ar-rahman and ar-rahim is that ar-rahman relates to um, everything altogether whereas ar-rahim relates to each thing one by one so god is the absolute mercy giver which means that his mercy is manifest on each thing one by one in accordance with what that thing needs they are all taken care of neither the virus that might be wreaking havoc in our organism if we have the flu for instance nor the galaxies are exempt from god's mercy so he is a true ruler he has control over everything he is not incapable of doing what what appears to be the right thing to do he has the power and he also has mercy so is it is can can it possibly be that the true ruler and absolute mercy giver shall give the human being such an aptitude we talked about this aptitude right there is an another aspect of aptitude that sadnursi is going to uh, refer to here such an aptitude to carry the greatest trust that the earth the heavens and mountains have refrained from carrying and of course in the quran god says that the the trust was offered to the heavens and mountains and it was a human being that accepted it can it possibly be that god will uh, create a human being with an aptitude to carry now god also says that he does not burden any soul with what it is not capable of carrying so if the human beings are burdened with this burden then that means that they have the aptitude to carry the burden as long as they do not waste their aptitude that is to measure and know so this is one interpretation of what that trust may be that is to measure and know the all-encompassing attributes universal conducts and endless reflections of his creator so this is the trust for the human being god says that he created humans and the jinn only to worship him and ibn abbas an, uh, told us that the true interpretation of this is to, to to know god that is the most central most important function of the human being because when once you know god you can worship god and show gratitude and appreciation and so on and so forth so can it be possible that god will create humans with the aptitude to 
carry the greatest trust that is to measure and know the all-encompassing attributes universal conducts and endless reflections everything in the creation measures and manifests some of god's attributes to some extent but human beings are given the ability to measure and know the all-encompassing attributes and universal conducts conducts that are visible everywhere universally and endless reflections of his creator with his tiny and particular scales a human being is really small very small in comparison to the size of the earth that it is created on it is very small it's almost unimaginably small in comparison to the entire cosmos the way that we know it uh, you know 14 billion years wide so small almost occupies no space in comparison to the rest of the cosmos but it is so important with the tiny and particular scales that it is given it is given the task to measure and know the all-encompassing attributes universal conducts and endless reflections of his creator can it possibly be that god will create him on earth in the most delicate fragile pampered impotent and weak way and then make him human being a kind of officer charged with organizing all the vegetal and animal creatures of the entire earth human beings are given uh, this rule over everything else on the earth everything else is subjugated to us if it were not for subjugation then we would see whether the uh, horse would ride the man or man would ride the horse and there is something that that somehow subjugates the a thousand pound uh, weighing horse to the human being how is that happening the horse is faster stronger how is the human being able to tame the horse and get on it and ride it he is given the privilege to harness everything in the vegetal and animal realms and of course there's a responsibility that comes with it but that's not what we are talking about now then make him a kind of officer charged with organizing all the vegetal and animal creatures of the entire earth cause him to intervene in their manners of glorification and worship to reveal on him as a similitude on a tiny scale of the divine executions in the cosmos to have him pronounce the glorified acts of lordship with actions and orally to the cosmos like to to stand before the entire cosmos and pronounce god's acts of lordship and give him the rank of vicegerency in in preference over the angels again these are all references to how special human beings are how important what they are doing is but when you have something so special and important and precious and valuable do you just burn it do you just leave it to disappear do you, do you just um, cast him into non-existence can it possibly be that he will create human beings in this way yet he shall not give eternal felicity to him which is the purpose outcome and fruit of all of his human beings duties can it possibly be that he god shall th throw him the human being to a most unfortunate 
calamity-stricken, destitute, troubled, wretched, lowly degree among all of his creatures. That is what we see if we look at the human condition only from the point of view of this world. He shall turn intellect, which is a most blessed and luminous gift of his wisdom, God's wisdom, that serves as an instrument of happiness into a most ill meant and dark instrument of torment for that destitute one. Because human being yearns for lastingness, yearns for meaning, and the intellect is the faculty that seeks that meaning, but without the hereafter, without God and the hereafter, the meaning disappears. His search is not, does not lead to anything, and therefore the intellect becomes a, an instrument of torment. Is, is that possible? Can it be that he shall commit a mercilessness that completely excludes his absolute mercy and contradicts his God's absolute wisdom? Of course, this is a rhetorical question. The answer is God forbid and never. El-Hasl Nasıl hikaye temsiliyede bir zabitin cüzdanına ve defterine bakıp görmüş idik ki hem rütbesi hem vazifesi hem maaşı hem düsturu hareketi hem cihazatı bize gösterdi ki o zabit o muvakkat meydan için değil belki müstekar bir memlekete gidecek de ona göre çalışıyor. In conclusion, as we had looked at the identification card and record book of an officer and seen in the parable. Now, the tenth word uh, has three main sections. The first section is a representational story, a, a parable. In that story, we talked about an officer. We saw an officer. We looked at the identification card and record book of this officer. And we saw in that that there were titles, equipment, skills, instructions that were given to this officer that indicated that he was not to stay where we saw him. As we had looked at the identification card and record book of an officer and seen in the parable, his rank, duty, wage, instructions and equipment all show us that he is not meant for a temporary battlefield. In fact, he will go to a permanent country and is working accordingly. In the same way, the Gnostics and people of openings agree that the subtle faculties in the identification card in a human being's heart and the distinguishing properties and aptitudes in the record book of his intellect are together and completely facing eternal felicity, indicating eternal felicity. They are showing that they are meant for eternal felicity. He is equipped accordingly. Now, think that you um, visit one of your friends and as you arrive, you see that your friend is leaving the house and the friend has two heavy luggages, uh, maybe a purse dressed up as if he's going to be staying outside for a long time. And you say, you ask your friend, so where are you going? And the friend says, nothing, I'm just running down to uh, the grocery store. I'm going to get a loaf of bread and come back. And this doesn't compute. Like if you are running to the grocery store to get a, a loaf of bread and you're going to come back, why do you have the luggage and purse and why are you dressed up such? Uh, and then you uh, happen to take the purse from your friend and open it up and you pull uh, pull the, the things in the purse and you find out that there is a passport and a ticket to the other end of the world. 
and then it doesn't compute again like if your friend is just running downstairs why does he have a ticket why does he have a passport why is he carrying all these things it just doesn't make sense right so when we look at the human being the aptitudes of the human being we see that like that officer we see that he is given aptitudes that are worthy of a long journey and perhaps an eternal stay not perhaps certainly an eternal stay at the destination place therefore we say it doesn't make sense for the human being to spend a few decades on this earth and then fall into annihilation he is created he is created all these subtle faculties in the identification card uh, of his heart and all these distinguishing properties and aptitudes in the record book of his intellect together and completely face eternal felicity he is equipped accordingly mesela aklın bir hizmetkarı ve tasvircisi olan kuvve-i hayaliye denilse ki sana bir milyon sene ömür ile saltanatı dünya verilecek fakat ahirde mutlaka hiç olacaksın tevehüm aldatmamak nefis karışmamak şartıyla oh yerine ah diyecek ve teessüf edecek We already mentioned this example. We will repeat here and we are coming to the end of the episode too, inshallah. For instance, if the power of imagination, which is a servant and illustrator of the intellect, is taught, you will be given a million years of life and rule over the world, but you will become nothing in the end. It will become sad, the imagination, because the imagination is able to imagine the end of it. The sheep does not have imagination to imagine the end of it. Human being has imagination to imagine the end of it and also feel the weight of what is to come at the end through that imagination. It will become, the imagination will become sad saying, ah, oh, rather than ah, oh, provided that it is not deceived by delusion and the lower soul does not interfere. Uh, these Uh, interjections ah is an interjection of sorrow and the ah is an interjection of pleasure of course but provided that it is not deceived by delusion and the lower soul does not interfere because they do that they they lead the human beings to indifference and forgetfulness and heedlessness so that it he does not recognize his actual condition the reality of his condition on this earth Demek en büyük fani, en küçük bir alet ve cihazat insaniyeyi doyuramıyor. In that case, even the greatest temporary thing cannot satisfy the smallest human instrument and equipment. We gave this human being one million years of life and rule over the entire world, but he is not satisfied. He has an aptitude and also an appetite for eternity. He is not going to be satisfied with, with what is here in this worldly realm as long as it is temporary and it comes to an end and his imagination is active and not corrupted. İşte bu istidaddandır ki insanın ebede uzanmış emelleri ve kainat ihata etmiş efkarları ve ebedi saadetlerinin envaına yayılmış arzuları gösterir ki bu insan ebed için halk edilmiş ve ebede gidecektir. Bu dünya ona bir misafirhanedir ve ahiretine bir intizar salonudur.
It is because of this aptitude that man's expectation that extend to eternity, thoughts that encompass the cosmos, and wishes that spread through the varieties of his eternal felicity, demonstrate that this human being is created for eternity and he will go to eternity. This world is a guest house for him. It is a waiting room for his hereafter. It is a waiting room where he waits for the hereafter. Subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma'allamtana innaka anta al-alimul hakim wa akhir da'wahum an alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen al-fatiha.